Retain Podcast. Uh, welcome back to another episode of Gain, Grow, Retain. I've got uh, Dan Steinman, who is the chief evangelist for Gainsight and someone who has been around this industry for quite a bit of time. You've been at Gainsight for 10 years. I think your, your name is definitely uh, synonymous with uh, Nick's and with Gainsight's, you know, as you all have uh, created this category. Um, I know you're a, a published author. There's probably a multitude of things I could add to your uh add to your resume here while we're talking, but Dan, really excited for you to join us today. And it's, um, you know, it's taken us so long, but I'm glad we're here. Yeah, I am too. I'm thrilled to be doing this. I love to talk about customer success. And in fact, you might have to interrupt and shut me up at some point, because once <laughs> I get going, I tend to get up on my soapbox and keep going. So yeah, looking forward to the conversation. Awesome. Well, we like to start with a couple of uh, softballs just to get to know you, maybe some you know, some, uh, some normal kind of icebreakers that you might not, uh, always get. So, uh, first one that I always like to hit people with is, um, what's your favorite fruit? Oh my gosh. It's such a, it's an interesting question, Jeff. I'm just thinking, um, I've done a lot of these and I often say to somebody, I'll give you a thousand dollars. If you ask me a question I've never been asked before <laughs> that has to do with customer success, but I've never <laughs> been asked this question about fruit. Uh, I grew up in North Dakota, so we didn't have a lot of fruit, uh, certainly not fresh fruit. But having moved to California, my favorite fruit has become mangoes. There's nothing oh. that tastes as good as a ripe mango. I'm with you. Yeah, I'm uh, definitely I'm, I'm big on the mangoes and strawberry. I make a smoothie pretty much every morning and it's got mangoes, strawberries, bananas. And so um, pretty much one of those three at any given time is, is what I would probably answer. So I'm right there with you. I was very sheltered in North Dakota. I didn't even know what an avocado was. First time I saw an <laughs> avocado in California, I tried to cut it in half and it took me about 20 minutes to cut. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that's a good story. Yeah. I love that. That's, that's too funny. Uh, well, the second question I've always, you know, like to, to get out is, um, you know, if you currently you're living in California, um, you know, it sounds like you throughout your career have, have gotten to live uh, pretty, some pretty fun places, gotten to explore quite a bit. So, you know, if you weren't living in California and you had to live kind of in, in one of the other places you've already lived, where would it be? Wow. Yeah, I actually haven't lived in very many places. I lived in a small town in North Dakota, then to school in Fargo, then a few years in Rochester, Minnesota, and then I moved to Silicon Valley. So of all of those things, I guess I'd have to say to go somewhere else, I'd go back probably and live in London because my wife and I lived in London for almost four years while we built out the Gainsight European operation. And that was just a blast. It was so much fun. I didn't, I'd never been overseas for any extended length of time before and just really enjoyed that experience, the Europeans and, and the business environment. And then of course, part of it maybe is ego because Europe is a year and a half to two years behind when it comes to customer success. Yeah. So they thought I knew everything, right? They just, they just wanted the knowledge of Silicon Valley, it didn't really matter who you were. So it was more about, oh, you're from Silicon Valley, you probably know everything about technology. And of course we don't, but uh, I did know something about customer success. So it kind of played to my ego a little bit too. I like it, yeah. Um, and I know what you mean too, you know, I've, um, I feel like just throughout building the community, I've gotten to meet so many people from um, just other countries like Mexico, yeah. I've met some people from Brazil, um, from India. And so, you know, just like you mentioned, like, I think they're um, definitely, there's just a, a great knowledge share and they're, they're always yearning for, I think what's, what's kind of happening in America, because yeah. typically we're kind of leading on the forefront. Um, so I've, I've definitely run into that a little bit. Yeah. Um, all right. Last, last question for you. 
Um, and sometimes I think the, the most important, you know, but, um, are you a, uh, are you an earbuds or like an over the ear kind of headphone wear, you know, are you mm -hmm. the Apple AirPods or are you the beats is basically the, the question at the end of the day. And this one I think is, um, you know, pretty, pretty big for you to nail. Yeah. Well, if you look at me right now, you'll realize it's neither of those, <laughs> but if I have to go, if I have to go with one of those, I go with the earbuds because the over the ears, uh, I've never found one that was really comfortable for me. Yeah. And I haven't tried really hard, uh, <laughs> but I have a pair and I don't, I don't ever put them on because they always, I think they squeeze my head too hard or something. <laughs> well, I, I'll tell you, uh, the, uh, my wife got me the new AirPods for Christmas and, uh, I've, I've used them so much, especially we, we've done a little bit of traveling recently and it's just, uh, the noise canceling piece is really nice. And they just, you know, it's just, they work with your, your phone so easily, like the, I don't know. I'm getting really um, spoiled with that, you know, just being yeah. able to turn them on, connect uh, so easily. So, yeah, I, well, just, I get frustrated because they don't last nine hours on their battery. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm out walking, listening to podcasts, talking to people on the phone, and two and a half hours later, it gives me that sound that says it's running out of battery. I'm like, what's wrong with you? Why can't you <laughs> just like yeah. with our laptops and our phones and everything else, right? Battery technology is the future of the world. Oh my gosh. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, trying to, trying to, uh, optimize it and trying to get as much into a little space as possible. Yeah, it's exactly. definitely, exactly. uh, you can get paid a lot of money for that for sure. Yeah. Um, well it's, uh, it's awesome to talk today. Cause I think we're, we're going to touch on a subject, which, um, we've heard a lot about just recently. I think it's becoming part of the, the big conversation, which is, um, this idea of just, um, digital customer success or scaled or tech touch. And it's starting to encompass, um, maybe a couple of other disciplines outside of just your, your CSM team, right? I think it's really starting to, to bring in questions like um, customer marketing. You might have a customer community and um, self-service resources like your academy and kind of training, or maybe even your knowledge base um, that you have. And so I think, you know, there's, there's starting to be this evolution where digital customer success is kind of going beyond just um, kind of serve, serving up customers with emails and, and trying to create automated workflows and campaigns, you're starting to get into a lot of these um, other resources that live. And so uh, I think for today's conversation, it'd be really fun is just talking through some of the scenarios and situations that we've seen, you know, where companies have been successful, um, kind of what they've, how they've organized their company or maybe metrics that are important to them, um, or even just, you know, starting to think about uh, maybe some of the, the areas or missteps that we've seen people make uh, in some of those, those situations. So, um, you know, when you think about this, this digital customer success world, or um, when you start thinking about how, you know, we've got a lot of these tools available to us now, um, is there anything, you know, kind of who, who have you kind of seen maybe start taking ownership of maybe the customer, customer success technology landscape inside of an organization? And, and how are they starting to um, maybe get their hands on what technology is available to kind of piece together and start really um, creating a more comprehensive customer journey? Yeah, it's such an important topic, Jeff, because I think it's the, it's the most glaring aspect of customer success with regard to not having figured it out. And people ask me all the time, well, who's, who does this really well? And I know most of the players in the industry. And my answer is nobody does this really well. There are companies doing it better than others. Like if you think about the companies with the really long tail of low value customers yep. have to figure this out. So if you look at companies like Slack and Box as an example, they're probably further along in figuring it out, but this is really hard. How do you manage customers effectively without ever talking to them? That's basically the problem set, right? 
that's really hard to do. It's hard enough to manage customers when we can sit in the room with them <laughs> once a week, right? Yeah. They're just slippery devils no matter what. And they go their own way. And that's why you need customer success. So it's a really, really important topic. And there's so many aspects to it. Like, how do you do it well? What's the technology that helps? How do you organize for it? <clears throat> and one of the things, like when you think about what does it take to do digital customer success well? <clears throat> to me, you have to think really hard about what are all the things we can do that are not one-on-one, -on -one, right? Because the reason we need to do digital customer success is because we can't afford to do standard people-to-people -people customer success for customers who are paying us $49 a month. It just, it's not feasible. It's not what we wanna do. We'd love to give every customer the white glove treatment and make every customer super happy, but we have to run businesses, which means you can't spend more than you bring in, yeah. which leads to that long tail has to be treated digitally so that it can be scalable from a from an ex, from an expense standpoint. So then if you think about what are the things that we can do that are one to many, uh, email is obviously on that list. Now, email is also a tool that is evil in many people's minds because we all get way too many emails. So that's why this is really hard because yeah, you should use email and you can use email. But man, you have to be really, really smart about it. And the way I think about using email effectively is you have to use email in a way that tells the customer we know exactly where they're at behaviorally and from a maturity standpoint. So yeah. for example, we can't send mass emails to customers saying, hey, you should really use this feature because it's great and other customers are using it. That, there's nothing wrong with that message, but most customers aren't going to read that email. But if I, if I could send you an email, if I'm your CSM and I send you an email, it looks like it's coming from me, even if it's automated. And it says, hey, Jeff, one of the things we've talked about in the past was XYZ. We just did a release that has something in it that I think would be really valuable to you. And I've noticed that you haven't used it. Please click here to find out how to start using that and click here to see a couple of testimonials of customers that are using that particular feature. Now you've kind of gone over that line a little bit, which says, I know you, even though I'm not talking to you personally, I know you, I see where you're at from a standpoint of how much you're using our product, how, where you are behaviorally, et cetera. And I think that doesn't get everybody to read that email, but it advances the cause significantly over a mass email that somebody knows that every other customer got as well. Yeah, that's such a good, um, just a good point. I wanted to dive in. I just wanted to jump in too, because I think the other thing that you're, you're starting to notice or that I've, I've spent a lot of time, I actually took a, I've probably mentioned this like 20 times now, but I just took a writing course um, recently because I have gotten into this mindset where uh, we have so many notifications that are coming just even as an individual myself, right? I've got text messages from friends. I've got emails coming. I've got in product notification. There's so many, yeah. it's overload. And so I, I've started to think, quite a bit about how um, really the way to differentiate yourself in that is, is writing, crafting better content that's more um, kind of more of a slippery slope. It kind of draws you in. It's not your, your standard, hey, here's this new feature, right? But it's maybe the subject line, instead of saying new feature released, it's, hey, do you want to accomplish this? And it just changes slightly, but it's a, a way that's a little bit more inviting, a little bit. So I love that point you mentioned because, you know, again, I think email has been around for so long and it's almost like we've kind of taken it for granted. It's always been there. It's always been consistent. 
Um, and now though, I think we need to, to get into this mindset of coaching our teams as well to, to think, Hey, how can you craft a really well-written email? It's, um, that's going to draw somebody in where it's not just a, um, standard, I don't know, one sentence, two sentence email, but it's, you know, something that an executive is going to want to open. And when they do, they get some value. And then they also want to, they want to follow up and, and, um, you know, talk with you. So I think that's such a good point that you mentioned though, you know, trying to, to craft a personalized, um, and even just that slight nuance, like you said, right. It's just changing a little bit, but even if I say, Hey, we've talked about this before or, or some, some reference about what something that we've done, it just, um, it invites that personalization. And that's what people crave is saying, Hey, you know, me, you understand me. Right. Yeah, I think there's there's something to be learned for customer success in many ways if we look at what's happened in the pre-sales world in the last 15 years. So how what have we learned about prospects? How do we treat prospects differently today yeah. than 20 years ago? The answer is in every possible way. 20 years ago, when I was at Marketo, even 10 years ago, we joked about the arts and crafts marketing versus digital intelligent marketing, right? It was kind of a, our way of demeaning those who weren't using marketing automation. But my point is, <clears throat> if you look at what CRM plus marketing automation has accomplished with regard to prospects, we are in the process of trying to do the same thing with customers. And what I mean by that is we need to know and absorb so much more about where that customer or prospect is in their journey and who they are. because. For example, marketing automation has kind of two vectors. One is where are they in their journey towards buying? And who is this person? Is this, yep. a, is this a CEO or is this a marketing manager, right? And you send different content to the different people at different times in their prospect journey. And it's all about getting great content. If you're running a marketing automation team, it's all about creating great content and then hitting the customer at the right time with the right content. Customer success, the digital part of customer success is just doing that for customers instead of prospects. Yep. Who, is the, who is the customer we're reaching out to? What level are they? Where are they in their behavior? Where are they in their maturity journey, et cetera? There's so many things about CRM plus marketing automation that are exactly what we're trying to do in customer success, starting with understanding where the customers are better and inter interacting with them in a more articulate, in a more intelligent way. And if we can do that, then I think we can get their attention. This has worked for the marketing automation world. It'll definitely yeah. work for customer success. We just have to figure it out. But it leads to another topic that we're, we were going to touch on, Jeff, which is, well, is digital customer success really just marketing? Yeah. Because it sounds like it. And the answer is, for my answer is, there's a lot of aspects of digital customer success that are really much more like marketing yep. than are like what we would call standard customer success. And here's, here's one of the mistakes you asked me about mistakes. Here's one of the mistakes I think companies make. We tier our customer success team. So we have a team that's for the enterprise customers. And then we have a team that's for mid-market. And then we have a team that's doing the SMB and digital and or digital. Right. And we think they're all customer success managers. And that's absolutely true. Their goal is the same, which is increase net, net retention, right? Or increase retention in some way. But if you take a digital customer success manager and put them in a room with an enterprise customer success manager, they have nothing to talk about. Like, because yeah. one of them talks to his four customers every single day. The other one has 8,000 customers and has never talked to a single one of them once. Yep. Two people have the same title, 
and the same retention goal, but they don't have the same job. And in fact, I think one of the mistakes many companies make is they look at that kind of tiering of customer success managers as a career path. Yeah. I don't think that's the right way to do it because they're very different skill sets. And I would argue somebody really good at digital customer success, if I have a really long tail of customers, is probably significantly more valuable to my company than my best enterprise CSM. Because yeah. they're doing something no one else in the world knows how to do. If I lose my best enterprise CSM, there are 8,000 people that I know personally who could step in, oh, you're going to give me four customers and I need to get to know them really well and help them understand the value of my product. That's not very hard to do. I mean, I'm not saying it's simple. It's not yeah. easy, but there's a lot of people that can do that. There yeah. are no people who, if I say, here's 10,000 customers, here's our email function, here's a couple of other things you can use, make sure our net retention is over 85%. There's like seven people in the world that have ever done that. So I think it's one of the mistakes we make thinking that that customer success job is similar to the other ones. It's just for smaller customers. It's very, very different. Yeah. It's so, man, there's so many good things that um, you jotted in there that um, I want to touch. So yeah, like going back to, I think what you um, originally were talking about a little bit, which was this idea that, you know, the, the, um, the person who is doing that type of work with like the 10,000 customers, I have thought about that so much recently because we're, you know, we're in this, this um, challenge right now where we're going to build out um, more of our, our digital customer success capabilities. And um, like you said, I think the, the reason why I feel like I've, I've got a unique perspective on this and I would imagine because, uh, or, uh, and I would imagine you do too, is because of uh, marketing backgrounds. I actually started in, I actually was uh, working at a digital marketing and analytics company for about, about 10 years before, mm. um, you know, I, I jumped into customer success and kind of where we are now um, in listening to your Marketo days, right? Because I thought about it the same way where it's kind of like, hey, we, we, have, um, we have scores uh, that we do right before, while a customer's a prospect, we're kind of looking at things they're reading, they're building a score, activities that they do kind of lead and up and down, um, and it kind of moves them along. And so uh, I, I continue to think about the same thing on the customer lens, right? It doesn't, it shouldn't really change. It should just be that we serve up content. That's a little different. It's a little bit more targeted to the product they own or the position that they're in. Um, and so I continue to think about how can we do that, right? What are all the signals that we can get in? Um, and then what are basically all the touch points that we want based off those signals? Right. And I think that's where, you know, to your point, I think, um, where this maturity or maybe where I've seen it break down right now is just in the technology stack. I think it's just that, um, We've, we've thought a lot about the CRM and, and how we're making sure that we're at least tracking the, the key contacts at our accounts that we have ARR and that we have renewals. And so like, we've kind of covered the base there. And then as you kind of get in that next layer, you're starting to ask yourself, okay, well, what's this contact doing? And then you're starting to realize, okay, well, now I need my customer community to link back to my CRM, to that contact record. I need my, uh, my customer success platform to link back. I need emails to link back. And so you're starting to realize how complex the data piece becomes because that's really where you're you're getting all your signals from that can build that can help build that maturity to say okay now we can actually start thinking a little bit more um, intimately about sequences or automation um, or even just tagging certain customers with certain um, just tags that we know okay in the future we want to send this type of content to them yeah. so um, I love those two points you made which is I think you know it's really akin to marketing and how we're starting to think about engagement scores um, and actually I've got one thing needed to uh, to talk through here around that. And then the second piece, uh, I think, like you mentioned too, is the skill sets are start are starting to become very different as well, because you're, 
going through that same realm, I'm also thinking about how you're, you're really looking for a nucleus of a team when you start thinking about that, that digital customer success, right? You kind of want somebody that can be um, maybe a little bit more of a point person, be in front of customers, maybe do videos and kind of webinars. They can lead that aspect. Um, then you're going to want somebody who's a little bit more data-driven, who can be behind the scenes looking for some of those signals and understanding, okay, which ones are the right kind of triggers to pull. Um, then you're looking for maybe a content writer or somebody who's thinking about how do you deliver content at scale? How can we you know, write certain best practices or put together PDFs or decks that we can send to customers? And so it's really starting to become kind of this um, amalgamation of those three roles as I, I've seen it recently. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if you think about the same thing as well. You know, you start thinking about, you know, how do you, how do you effectively um, serve that, that customer? And actually, you know, even argue, I would even argue too that whatever's happening in your digital customer success, it really should be scaling across all of your customers. Um, it should actually impact all customers, tier one, tier two, tier three, um, because, you know, anything that you're doing in that, that digital piece it really, it really should um, be able to tear up. The only difference is that you have a CSM that can now um, kind of layer on their enterprise relationship abilities. They can maybe tailor that content even a, a little bit more to be, be more specific. So um, I'm not sure if you think the same way about some of those roles that we have. Yeah, on that last point, which is really important, I think um, this is a universal truth about customer success. And that is anything you do for your smallest customers will have value for every other customer. Yeah. The reverse is not true. Anything you do for your biggest customer does not necessarily apply to your smallest customer because we don't do uh, quarterly business reviews with nine executives in the room for our $49 a month customers. We never will, right? But if you get digital customer success right for your smallest customers, you will find an application for that capability with every other customer. Because yeah. think about it. Every CSM in the world, no matter whether they have one customer or 10,000, has some tedious email things they have to do, right? They have to do an agenda for the next meeting or do a follow-up or remind them of the release notes or whatever it might be. So we found this it was interesting at Gainsight. We built the email functionality specifically for our digital customer success team. When our enterprise team saw it, they're like, we want that. We only want one change. We don't want the emails to go directly to the customer, our customer. We want them to come to us so we can do a little personalization on the top of it. By the way, happy birthday, Tracy. And yeah. then send it on, right? And we found that has tremendous value because every CSM is trying to figure out how to save some time. Yeah. You can have a machine constructing intelligent, uh, valuable emails with good content then it doesn't matter if I'm an enterprise CSM, I want that, I can take advantage of that and save some time by having a machine do something for me, right? So that yeah. helps scale everybody. Um, the other thing we were, we were touching on, Jeff, is those roles. Yeah, the, 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 as I said, the digital customer success job is hard because it's, it's much more encompassing and you can't fall back on relationship. It has to be all about content and value. Yeah. Hard. And, it, and so you have to, one of the one of the things that's good about it though is you can reuse a lot of the marketing content because what you're trying to do in many ways with the existing customer is just reinforce that they made a good decision to buy your product, reinforce your brand, reinforce the quality of your product. And so a lot of things that marketing uses to say, hey, look at us, we got rated great by G2 Crowd or Gardner puts us in this quadrant or whatever, you can reuse those things for existing customers because there's a nuance on the marketing to existing customers that a lot of people miss. And that is 
you're still creating demand, but in most cases, you're creating demand for the product they already own. Yeah. But they have to buy it again from us. And then after that, they have to buy it again from us, right? So it's fine to create demand for new products, but we can't lose sight of the fact that part of marketing slash digital customer success is creating demand with customers for the product that they already own. We need to reinforce that we are the leaders, that we do have the best product, that we do have the best success stories, whatever those things are. And that's that's easy to lose sight of because marketing likes to get out their shotgun and always be shooting to try to create demand for something new. This is a little bit of a nuance on that, but the same tools can be applied to it. Yeah. The, and I love that idea of just creating demand, you know, for a product that they already own, because I think the other, the other thing that I've just noticed in my career so often is that, um, you know, you, you hope customers are, are getting onboarded and implemented right at the beginning. And you're, you're hoping they're retaining so much information, right? But the reality is they're probably retaining, I don't know, 20, 30, 40% of what you're giving them at the beginning. If you're lucky. So I do think as you were mentioning, right, like really as you're reinforcing the value and how great, um, you know, the, the great things that your company is doing and, and, and reinforcing the value of the product they purchased, you're also just trying to create demand for things that already exist that they just have forgotten about or maybe have slid by. And so um, like sometimes I think we get into a, um, a little bit of a bubble, right? We're, we're working inside of our company. And so every day I'm looking at the product and I'm, I'm in it, right? And so I know every little nuance and little thing um, and I did this when I joined Higher Logic. You know, I'm listening to some of our great experts who have been here five, six years, right. and they're saying a little thing. And I was like, oh my gosh, we have to write that down and send it to customers. And they're like, what? That's so easy. We've been doing that for years. And I'm like, yeah, but like, you know, 90% of our customers probably heard that once and then forgot about it, or that, you know, they, they haven't thought about that in years. And so, like, those little nuggets, I always um, am trying to think about how can I listen to those little nuggets and be like, oh my gosh, we need to pull that out and send it to customers. Cause that's where I, just to your point, I love that. Um, concept of you're creating demand and, and that's how you're re- trying to reinforce adoption and drive certain things right. that you, you know, need the customer to do, but it's those little nuggets where you could, um, and even if you could personalize that a little bit and say, oh, I was listening to, you know, Mark internally the other day and Mark was mentioning this, like, Hey, Dan, did you know that you can do this? Like I even forgot myself or, you know, Hey, we want yeah. to reinforce that. Like those are, uh, little ways. I think you could just create demand is, um, by mentioning those things that you think are, um, uh, common knowledge. Yeah. You're just, you're just reinforcing the value of hiring new people who yeah. come who come without all of the the jadedness that we get over time. Like, well, why would why would any customer want me to say that to them? Because yeah. we don't know it is the answer. <laughs> yeah. We get to the point where we assume that customers know things they don't know. Oh yeah. And you're right. They if they absorb 10% of what we tell them in the first six weeks, we'd be really lucky. So yeah, I think it's it's great to always be looking for those little nuggets of things that. Um, that you could share with customers that maybe some of them have heard it before, but there's nothing wrong with reinforcing things that are valuable. Yeah. Well, and I think it goes to the other piece that you had mentioned earlier around this idea of, um, you know, trying to, to look at um, how it's synonymous to some of the marketing automation and, and some of the ways that we're treating prospects, right? I think one of the other, other things that we're starting to explore is just, um, how can we, um, how can we kind of bucket certain pieces of content or certain types of content together? Um, and then how can we go kind of measure where's, you know, where is Dan engaging? Is Dan really engaging with, um, our peer to peer webinars or our community, or is Dan really, you know, is he much more opening emails and reading that kind of content? Or, you know, does he prefer white papers where you can download a PDF and read it? Like those are the other little nuances that I think we're starting to see come through more because again, similar to marketing, right? We need to understand those pieces in order to move somebody along a funnel. Yeah. And you're trying to do the same thing on customer mar- on the customer marketing lens because you're saying, hey, 
what content is resonating with Dan so much and how can I give him more or less of that? Um, and then how can I tailor and personalize that experience um, and kind of keep that record up to date as we go? And that's, I mean, that's to your point as well. I think there's two things that come to mind, which is making sure you can kind of measure content across different buckets. And then also making sure that you're taking kind of one piece of content and then you're trying to figure out what are all the ways I can leverage that? Can I turn a white paper into a, um, into a two sentence email? Can I take a white paper into a video? Can I put it on a community? Can I get the, you know, can I get a webinar around it? Like what are all the different ways that I can leverage one piece of content to maximize, Hey, we're really putting kind of an effort behind this. Yeah. Again, it's so akin to marketing where you, you, in order to be successful with a prospect, you have to move them along that pipeline. Right. <clears throat> and we don't necessarily think about that in customer success, but it's the same idea. We're moving people not along a pipeline, but along a spectrum of health score, basically, right? Everything that they, every time they come to an event, listen to one of our webinars, open an email, download, whatever, they're potentially getting more healthy as a customer. They're becoming more loyal, which is really what a health score is trying to measure is loyalty. <clears throat> and so we need to be just as insightful and data anal as the marketing team is to figure out what are people consuming? And not only across the board, like this piece is being consumed by everybody, let's make sure we get it out there. But this person never comes to one of our webinars, but opens every email. That's the, that's the kind of personalization, even though it doesn't change the nature of the email, it's personalization to me if you're feeding me things in the way that I want to get them, as opposed yeah. to saying, no, you should come to our user group meeting, or you should come to community, and all those things are great. Community is one of the most valuable things you can do in the digital customer success world, but that doesn't mean every customer wants to use that channel. So we need to feed them information in the channel and in, in the way that they want to consume it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that last point you just made too, in the channel that they want to consume it. You know, I think sometimes we often, um, again, we're, we're kind of uh, looking at this from our lens, right? Of, of, hey, how can we just get the message out? And, and how can we kind of check the box in some cases, right? Hey, we did this. Um, but really, when you start looking at it, it's you're trying to deliver that personal experience and trying to figure out, OK, what's the right channel to deliver the message for that person um, so that it resonates and they're actually going to read it. They're going to get the information, um, which I think sometimes just goes goes missed. Um, well, we, we've dan danced around this a little bit. We've kind of talked about how it's really akin to marketing. So do you think um, you know, in some of the organizations that you've seen, is it is it much more likely that you're starting to see customer marketing kind of live in that marketing world and their you know, dotted line into customer success? So they're, they're trying to help drive, you know, um, gross and net retention for customer success and, and for the organization, but they're sitting in marketing and using the tools and the resources that they have available there to go uh, kind of with the, the automated sequences, with the data, with the content. Like, is that how you're typically seeing it now? Yeah, it's across the board, as you can imagine, Jeff. I think <clears throat> I love organizations and talking about organizations, but one of the things I've realized over the years is that... Uh, Organizations on a PowerPoint side always look perfect. In reality, they are never perfect because organizations are built around people. And in fact, if you're a CEO, the way you organize basically is who do I trust? So a long time ago when customer success wasn't a thing and it was becoming a thing, every CEO had to decide, okay, do I need it? Yes, I do. Well, where do I put it? <clears throat> and they didn't hire a CCO. They said, who do I trust that's already here? to manage this customer success thing. And in many cases, it was sales because sales was trying to do the renewals and they were getting handcuffed by customers who weren't adopting the product. So all of a sudden, 
customer success from up under sales. In the long run, that's not a great place for it, but that's where it goes. So yeah. marketing kind of functions in the same way. Customer, customer marketing is a really, really interesting topic. I know if I was going back into an operational role as VP of customer success or CCO, I would ask the CEO in my interview process to give me three marketing people. Now you can either give me the customer marketing team or give me my own marketing people because yeah. it's going to give me the retention number. And that retention number requires me to do a good job digitally of de delivering content and value to customers through kind of traditional marketing channels like community and webinars and email that yeah. I need people who can do that. And you have some of them already. They're working for your chief marketing officer. If you want to move them over to me, great. If not, that's fine. But I need people to do that. Yeah. Here's what I think is maybe the, the smartest way to look at this. What does customer marketing do? It sits under marketing, but what does it really do? <clears throat> and what I've found over the years is that <clears throat> there's two aspects to customer marketing. One is marketing that gives something to the customer and marketing that takes something from the customer. Most of customer marketing is the latter. Why do we do customer marketing? Because we want references, we want referrals, we want case studies, we want people talking at our at conferences, we want people doing webinars for us, right? Yep. Gimme, gimme, gimme. And the audience for that kind of marketing is sales, right? All of that stuff is being done for sales. Yep. That's natural for marketing because everything they do is for sales, right? Yeah. But that doesn't do anything for the customer. It yep. just takes stuff from the customer. And that's fine. That's really valuable. But we got to earn the right to do that. And the way we earn the right to do that is we got to do something for the customer. So you could, I could argue that you should split customer marketing and leave the taking from the customer in the marketing organization and put the giving to the customer in the customer success organization. Because giving to the customer is really customer success. Yeah, I we love that. The value, you know, driving the webinars that create value driving behavioral-based emails. Those are customer success things, but they're marketing tools. So the best person to do that is someone who's familiar with marketing, but that we can give a kind of a customer success hat to. So I think we could split customer marketing into those two pieces and maybe think about it that way. Yeah, um, I, I love that point. And um, and actually it kind of reinforces the way that we're, we're looking at it right now internally at, at HireLogic. Um, and I think, you know, back to your point though, the the other, the other thing and the other reason why I've always, I've, I've kind of been on the fence of, of putting customer marketing, just like you said, you know, at least part of it into the customer success org is you also get it um, closer to the customer in a, in a way, right? You're, you're getting it interacting with customer success managers, with um, strategic services and implementation yep. on a lot more regular basis where um, they can hear stories, they can hear things and they can, just like you said, right? You're hoping that, hey, you're, you're kind of being immersed in everything that a customer is going through right now, and you're seeing this a little bit more on a firsthand basis, you're involved in certain meetings that are happening, and then um, you can start listening for, oh my gosh, uh, we had five implementations talk about how hard it was to do X, Y, and Z. We should create something that, you know, how do we go make that easier or better? How do we go create something? Or, hey, our customer success managers are saying it's really hard um, for a new feature we rolled out. Oh my gosh, let's go create a webinar and I can go get the right person involved. And so I think that's the other aspect that I've always advocated for is that you're you're really just, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, I think everybody says, right, it shouldn't matter where they live in the organization and you're, you're all one team and all that kind of stuff. But naturally, 
the reason why you do that is because you're organizing the work around certain aspects and you're starting to look, okay, this work is around the customer. And if I can get a marketing person around that and I can get them ideating and thinking about how to, how to do those things at scale, um, using that type of, of mindset, then that's where you're really going to get the, the full value of it. So yeah. Uh, I love that point that you just mentioned there. Um, yeah, I a think lot. You're, right. you're right, Jeff. Organizations in theory could work. And at smaller companies, they tend to work no matter where people live because yeah. they're so collaborative. As you get bigger, that's harder to do, number one. Number two, it's not so much about who manages the team. It's who do they hang out with and who do they interact with all day, every day. So I, I want to take that marketing skill and immerse it in the middle of all my CSMs who are just thinking all day, every day about how to give more value to the customer, how to get them to renew, how do we increase their loyalty, et cetera. And through osmosis and hanging out with them, they're going to get that mindset. And that's what you really need. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, at, and at the end of the day too, what you're, um, I think what you're also hoping is that, and then what happens in reverse as well is you now have a marketing person who's really building great connections with CSMs. And then um, they can sit there and say, uh, hey, we're putting together a best practice guide around X, Y, and Z. And then you can get CSMs to say, hey, do we have any stories around that that we can kind of put into there and make it a little bit more real? Or, hey, can you take a look and let me know, is this the verbiage that a customer would respond to? You know, are they? And so again, kind of like you were saying, I think it works in reverse where now you've got a relationship where a customer success manager knows that you're building value for their customers and they're much more willing to jump in and say, Hey, let me help make this as best as possible because um, I know at the end of the day, it's really going to benefit me as a yeah. customer success manager when this goes out. Yeah. yeah. In some ways, it's kind of the same argument for where the renewals team should exist. And again, this one's a little trickier because there's quota carrying people and you might want all of that to roll up to the CRO. But the reality is uh, an account manager who's, who's responsible for renewals they can be in the sales organization, but the people they're going to interact with all day, every day are the CSMs. Like yeah. I'm not calling a customer about a renewal until I have a good sit down with the CSM who's going to tell me, are they going to beat me over the head? Um, yeah. This is a customer that we could raise prices on, whatever, right? So some of this is not about organizationally who manages whom, but who, who should those people be hanging out with or who are they hanging out with more often than not? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um... Well, I know we're, we're kind of getting towards the end, um, you know, of, uh, of our time. And I think maybe one, one last question that I would, um, uh, love to hear if you, if you thought about it, or if you've seen quite a bit is just, um, this idea of, um, creating, I don't know, like, a, I think of it as like a content engine, you know, I think like you mentioned, right. You've kind of got marketing and a lot of times you can repurpose that marketing content and really try and figure out, okay, how do I leverage, leverage it for our current customers? But I'm curious if you've seen any teams do it really well, where you're kind of saying, hey, um, we've got these listening mechanisms, kind of NPS or CSAT or um, what's happening on a customer community or all these things that are happening. And so um, I'm curious if you've seen any teams do that well, where you're kind of, we're doing a lot of listening and now let's go produce kind of content that really can go, um, you know, impact customers. I don't know if you've seen anybody who's done that well or if I have any examples, but that's just something I've thought about quite a bit as we, we were talking about customer marketing. <clears throat> Yeah, I think if, if you leave it to the CSMs, that's not going to get done because they're so busy just trying to manage their customers. But if you bring somebody in, it could be an ops person, by the way, or it could be this kind of digital person. And what I, when I hired that person uh, at Gainsight, I said to them, uh, I want you to just spend time listening to the CSMs. And the minute you hear the same CSM do the same thing more than twice, or 
between CSMs, they start to have the same conversation more than a couple times. That's your job is to stop them from having to do that. So simple example in customer support, customers call all the time because they forgot their password or can't log in, right? That's such a waste of time for a support person to spend time on the phone. That's why you create a frequently asked question. And even on the login page, you click here, it says, if you can't log in, click here and we'll tell you how to, right? You're always looking for ways to stop the duplication of effort. Cause you know, every CSM is having the same conversation with their customers all the time about this feature or that problem or whatever it might be. So if you can get somebody outside of that world to focus on understanding that anything that's being duplicated is your job. How do you stop that? How do you stop them from having to have that same conversation over and over and over? That's stuff that should fall into the digital customer success things. We should be sending an email or yeah. on the community or mentioning in our webinars or whatever, instead of Joe and Harry and Tracy and Jill all having had the exact same conversation with each of their nine customers. Yeah. It's just such an expensive thing. I think as, as managers of customer success people, we have to toe this line, which is the most expensive thing we do is one-on-one -on -one conversations with our customers. Yeah. By the way, that is also the most valuable thing that we do. So we have to do that. But you got to think about, are we actually providing a lot of value in every one of those conversations? Are we using the skills and our people in the best possible way? And, and one of the ways to think about it is that, what is what are those things that are being duplicated and how can we automate them? Yeah, I love that. I've actually thought quite a bit recently as well. Like, um, I'm going to go uh, kind of take a, a really short survey to our, our customer facing teams and um, ask a couple of questions, you know, like, what are your customers concerned about recently? Like, what are some of those topics? Like, can I just get some of that into one place where I can hear it? But I've been thinking a lot about um, what you just mentioned, which is, can I even get them to list out like, hey, what's the asset that you sent to customers the most over the last 30 days? Link me to what that is. Or what's an asset that you've had to build yourself over the last 30 yeah. days that you felt like was really valuable? Because I think, I think just naturally, right, as customer, I mean, I was a former customer success manager myself, and I would um, it's kind of survival of the fittest, right? I'm just, Hey, if I don't have something, or if, if I can't find something, or if it's not already created, I'm just going to go do it myself. And then, um, you know, I don't know, three months down the road, you start realizing we all produce the same thing when we could have produced it once and leveraged it three times. Yeah. And so like, that's the, you know, how do we kind of bring all that and start collaborating a little bit more closely. And so creating a content team, um, that's in the customer org, and then trying to do some of these surveys are kind of two ways that I think we're trying to, to bring this up. Yeah. Sometimes you have to brute force things, you know, this, this sounds really crude, but one of the things you could do is have this person say, here's our top 10 CSMs, and here's the last 100 emails that each of them sent to, our, to their customers. Yep. I want you to read through every single one of them and find the things that are duplicated or the things that the way that's said the best by this one that we can transfer to the other ones, et cetera. <clears throat> I mean, you'd find a ton of duplication in that, including in the content that's being sent to them, right? Yeah, that's such a good, um, good little idea too, right? Well, even just to get that person immersed in what's happening with the CSMs, right? Even just to get them like, hey, you know, what are the customers caring about? What's really happening at the front lines? Like, that's even just a great way. Like, like you said, I think sometimes these things get, um, I think sometimes we are trying to automate too much or we're trying to think, oh, that's a little bit manual, right? But in some cases we have to go do some manual work every once in a while. And, um, and that's okay, right? If it doesn't scale, that's fine, at least for right now, like, we, we still get the insights that are going to actually breed a lot of the scaling that we can do uh, further down the road. 
Yeah, well, the path to automation always goes through doing it manually first. Yeah, that's the only way to say that too. How, how painful and hard it is. And if we did automate, it'd be that much better. Like just a quick anecdote at Gainsight. I always loved speaking with prospects who had tried to do Gainsight in Salesforce because I knew they couldn't do all of it. And they also figured out how hard some of the things are to do. And the more they tried to do it either manually or in some other tool that wasn't built for that purpose, the better prepared they were to actually buy Gainsight because they knew the pain, they knew where their data was, they knew the value that could come out of automating it, and they were ready to do so, right? They were just prepared to buy technology to solve that problem that they painfully solved manually. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, I love that quote, you know, that uh, little blurb you just put in there, you know, it has to, I mean, for anything to be automated, it has to go through, you have to do it manually first. Yeah. Uh, I mean, because yeah, you can't even automate something you don't know, right? You don't know the points right. of automation if you haven't done it manually first. Um, and that's actually, I think, something that people try and do a little, a little too quickly is automate. Well, as software vendors, we all know this, right? If someone buys <laughs> our product and isn't ready for it, all they're going to do is automate their mistakes. And they're not going to, they're not going to accomplish anything. Right. You have to have a real plan to implement software. Software doesn't magically solve any problems. You have to have a real plan to implement it in a way that it's going to be beneficial. And usually the best way to prepare for that is having tried to solve that problem in other ways. Yeah, definitely. Well, Dan, I know uh, I feel like you and I could keep talking for hours because it's for just sure. uh, easy and natural. And I think, uh, you know, with your experience, you've, you've definitely seen a lot. Um, so, you know, We'll, uh, we'll have to try and find a time to get you back on here because I think we could probably find a couple other topics to go sure, through. Yeah, I'd be happy to do it. Uh, but, you know, uh, this, is the, this is the moment of the hour where uh, we'll, we'll let you, um, you know, get to, do, get to do your plug. You know, where, where can people find more of you? Do you like to do, is, are you a, a LinkedIn fan? Are you a Twitter fan? You know, is it come find, it, find Gainsight? Um, but yeah, give, give the people what they want, which is uh, where to find you. Yeah, LinkedIn's probably best. I kind of avoid Twitter because it's a bit of a cesspool to say it lightly, um, but LinkedIn is great. You can find me on LinkedIn. Um, love to connect with customer success people. And if you want at some point to have an individual conversation, I'm, I'm always happy to do that. So um, yeah, so that's the best way to contact me. Um, if you wanna, if you haven't bought our book, shame on you. If you wanna buy it, then go buy it. Uh, it's pretty easy to find. And Jeff's going to show you a copy of it. No, I thought you were reaching for it. I was, I was trying to find it. It's not, um, it's in my room. I think actually it's not here at my desk, but I do have it. Um, underneath, I do have it. It's underneath one of your dogs probably. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The three dogs in my office right now. Anyway, you guys can find it. It's the bright blue cover cover. Um, anyway, so yeah, those are, those are a couple of things that I would suggest. I think the book has really held up over time because, and as a CSM, you want to read the book, not because it'll make you a better CSM, but it'll give you an idea of what your CEOs are thinking about. Because we wrote the book for the CEO. Uh, here's the way to run a company that's customer obsessed and customer focused. That's really the theme of the book. And to advance in your career, it's always better to know what your managers and your CEOs are thinking and reading. So I agree with that. And I like it. I've, I've read it. Uh, I actually have read it twice now, I think. And the first time I read it was on my way to the Gainsight Pulse Conference. Um, so uh, that was a number of years ago. I'm, I'm looking forward to the day that Pulse gets to back be, you know, get get back in person uh, here, hopefully um, fairly soon. I know this year you all pulled off a nice digital version, um, or actually it was hybrid version uh, that you know is digital and in person. So I'm looking forward yeah, to fingers looking. crossed for next May because we we miss having that mob of eight thousand customer success people together. It's our family reunion every year. So awesome, yeah, for sure. 
Well, um, awesome, Dan, appreciate it. And, uh, we're going to get you back on here soon and, and, uh, you know, I'm excited for this one to come out. So we'll, we'll, uh, make sure and get you, uh, get you out there when we get it. Sounds great. Thanks, Jeff. I might appreciate you inviting me on. Hey guys, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. If you liked what you heard, please take a moment and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues and subscribe. We really appreciate it. Talk to you soon.